0: I'm not, sure. I'm not sure at what point in time that got turned on, but I do apologize for those who might have gotten serenaded in the back row. Um, our first month of talking about knowing Christ um, focused on Christ's deity, and we're going to transition away from that a little bit. Not that you can really talk about any of the names of Christ without talking about his deity. And so that will kind of be throughout here. But those specifically were, were things that directly um, connected to Jesus as God. And we're going to kind of continue that a little bit. Uh, as I say, you can't talk about anything without referencing Jesus as God. All of his names connect him to God. Um, but we're going to be looking a little bit at a different theme this, this month and wanting to talk about his connection to the Father and to us. Um, titles that have to do with this, this connection. Now, learning about Christ is important for a lot, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and some of these basic things, it's like, oh, we've gone over this before, we've heard this before. Um, learning all these... Well, what's it, why learn all these names? Why are all these names in here? There's just there's, you know, 50, 60, 70 names... And why all these different references to them? Um, Now, as we go back over these things, and and even things that we've heard before, uh, things that you think you know, right? There's things I think I know. And you learn more things. Sometimes, you know, we're simply curious about things. Um, Or sometimes we're confused about things. Like, what does that title really mean? Or, 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 you know, anything about God. What does it really mean? We're sometimes confused and... um, God is complex, right? And we wrestle with things. We wrestle with the Trinity and we wrestle with a lot of these different ideas. Man, I really want to know. Some of them I know I'm never going to know. But we have so many questions. Uh, Now, there are things that we accept and we whether we can understand or not, we're just like, okay, I accept it. But... Even those things that I accept, I sometimes don't know how to express to others, and that's why it's another reason why it's important to go through some of these things. I know this is true, but I can't quite explain it. And I've probably told you about the time um, <laughs> we had. Uh, um, uh, we had. Yeah, you know, I got. I got to live it, you know. Uh, and then we had. It was Glenn and Diane. We had over uh, last week or so, and. and uh, and um, I've I got to limit the number of stories I tell because, you know, once I tell too many stories, then I, I, I take away some of my sermon illustrations. So you've got to hold some stories in, in reserve. So, um, so some of you might, might hear some of these um, uh, again, but uh, a friend of mine, when I was in college, he, he would like to take, we'd go around and visit different churches, and he'd like to watch me get in arguments uh, with, with preachers. And then was one, one, one we went to. And, and he believed that... he, he tells me... And here I am, this is like... I'm going into my third year, I think. It was the summer. Uh, we we're going into our third year in, in college. And uh, I'm supposed to know everything, you know, because I'm in Bible college. I'm supposed to know everything about the Bible. And, uh, and so this guy tells me Jesus is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit at different points in time. Just, it's just, you know, he was the Father... He comes to Earth. He's known as Jesus, and then after he goes back, and he comes back in the form of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's possible. I don't agree with it, but I don't know why I don't agree with it. And he had all these verses lined up. I know you're wrong, but I don't know why you're wrong. Maybe you're not wrong if I don't. Well, look at Isaiah. He's called the the the, he's called the Father, And, uh, and here he's busy. I know you're wrong, but I don't know how. Um, so I went back and I, I, uh, I'm like, "All right." So one of my professors, Jerry Weller, he goes, "I go, Jerry." I was like, "I know he's wrong, and I don't know how." And he goes, "Just read the book of John, Andrew. Just, just read the book of John." That's all I said. I read the book of John. I went back the next week. I was loaded for bear. All right. well, that, that probably made a really good impression, but I, so just that that. I want to know, and sometimes I don't. And so it's good to go back over these things and, and dig deeper. And the idea that we're going to talk about today is the idea of Jesus as the Son. Maybe. Jesus as the Son. Why is he called the Son? This is, I mean, one of the, the most common references to Jesus is Jesus as a Son. And it's repeated again and again, and there are so many different ideas on what this means. For something mentioned so often, last week we talked about something that's hardly mentioned in the Bible, and it seems a little bit easier at times than than Jesus as a son. There's no shortage of Scripture. We can't go through all. You know that there are 14 different types of references to Jesus as a son. Son of God, Son of Man, Son of David, Son of Abraham, Son of this, Son of that. He's a son. There are 14 different types of being a son of something. We're going to look at two of these, and we need to address a couple of errors. Uh, when we talk, first of all, when we talk about Jesus as the Son of God, He's called the Son of God. John 5:17-18 says, "Jesus answered." Then he says, my father's working until now and I'm working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, here's why we need to, an error we need to address. People have interpreted it, the idea of Jesus as the son of God, quite literally. And they say, well, since he was a son, he must have been created because that's how things work with us, right? The father comes first, than the son. And we understand there was a point at which the son didn't exist. That's what sons are to us. I remember you telling stories, hmm, uh, I think that was before this one was born, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 it was after he was born. Right? There's a point in time where sons weren't around. And so someone naturally says, well, if Jesus is a son, there must have been a time when he wasn't around. And so there's a father and there's a son. Was Christ created. Is Christ then a lesser God? So, He's kind of a God, but He's a lesser God. And so people wrestle with this concept of Jesus as a Son. Well, I want you to notice, first of all, that that the, the Jewish people recognized that when He called God His Father... It was making him equal. So he was not calling... We we're going back to that idea again. What he said is that, that you can't talk about any title without referencing Jesus' deity. So, so they didn't see the relationship as the Father and Son as superior-inferior. They didn't see that. And we would need to look at a parable that Jesus told to understand exactly why. Why? Um, and they were equal. In Matthew 21, he tells this story. He says, hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went to another country. And when the season for fruit grew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. They took the servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another, and he sent more servants, more than the first. They did the same to them. And finally he sent his son, saying, they will respect my son.'" The Father had different degrees of authority. And this is what we need to understand about Jewish culture. We, we want to apply our culture today to the way they did things then. They had a different view because of the way their society was structured. So you have a family business. Right? You have a family business. Um, you know, Every once in a while I'm out here, I'm down in the basement, and I hear... And I come up, and Marty, Marty's plowing... And Marty has one of the kids in there plowing with them, right? And he's training them to take over the plow, right? So he's training them the business, right? This is the family business. One day when you grow up, you'll plow, right? And uh, so, so that's kind of a concept. Uh, when you grew up, you were already getting trained, especially the first son. That first son was getting trained to take over the business. So, so when, when God... In this parable, God is sending Christ. He sent his prophets. He sent servants. You know, they're, they're the servants. And he thought, hey, listen, you should listen to the servants. But you're not listening to the servants. So he said, I will send my son. They will listen to him. Why? Because in their culture, the son carried the exact same authority as the father. See, so to them, the father was equal to the son and vice versa. They didn't look at him as less important. And that's why, as we read, when he called called himself the son, it was blasphemy, and they wanted to stone him right there on the spot. He was making a dramatic statement about who he was. He's not lesser. So we need to address that error, Uh, just just in case you ever come across that one. There's another title that we're going to look at a little bit today. Um, and that is, he's called the Son of Man. You know, actually, in the Bible, Jesus is, he refers to himself when he is referred to as the Son of Man more than he's referred to the Son of God. The title Son of God appears in the New Testament only about 45 times. And in the in the New Testament, the Son of Man appears like over 80. It's like a two-to-one margin. That's an important title. But what does it mean? Huh? Well, I want to look at an error having to do with, um, excuse me, having to do with this, this reference to the Son of Man, and it goes back to uh, we have to travel back in time about uh, 300 to about 300 years before Christ or after Christ. Jesus started to be referred to, or excuse me, Mary started to be referred to as. In Greek, it was the Theotokos, or the Mother of God. Um, That was not an original title. And um, a man named Nestorius didn't agree with this. He said, uh, if we start calling Mary the Mother of God today, we will worship her as a goddess tomorrow. In France, there are more shrines dedicated to Mary than there are to Jesus. Now, Nestorius was not a good debater. Um, Augustine was. And so Augustine um, defeated him and he was uh, condemned as a heretic in uh, 4-something, 431 or something like that at at one of the councils. Uh, So he was forced to leave the church and I think he went to China or somewhere. Uh, And he was right. Mary has occupied a place which she was never intended to occupy. She's prayed to, and she, she occupies a seat much higher. And the debate about, around this centered around the identity of God, and specifically Christ and His nature. Now, here's where the logic was in this debate. They presented, it's called, it, we call them syllogism. So if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C, right? That works in math, Right? Uh, so, so, they just applied what we know about Jesus and they put this in. So, so it went like this Mary's the mother of Jesus, Jesus is God. So, Mary uh, equals God. All right? Oh, hey. Look at that. We get a, a repeat. So, so let's, let's look at this again. Let me back up. So, if Mary is the mother of God and God is eternal, we could, we could do this again then Mary would be eternal. That wouldn't work, right? And so what they did not understand is that Jesus has a dual nature. right? We know that Mary's not eternal, so she cannot be the mother of someone who is eternal. The nature, there's, there's two natures. There's the divine nature of God. And that divine nature came in a human form, and that's what the first chapter of John is about. And Mary was the mother of this physical nature in which dwelt the divine being, God. It is not until this happens that Jesus is referred to as a son. It is interesting that in the Old Testament, the phrase son of man appears like over, hundred, I think, 107 times. And it only refers to God once, and that is by way of prophecy. We're going to come to that a little bit later. We're going to come to Daniel. But as in that time, God, or none of the, the parts of God, if you will, none of the beings that, re, that, that make up God are ever referred to as a son. The concept of a son only has something to do with Christ on this earth. And that's important, because that's where, you know, these are metaphors. These are metaphors. Christ has a dual nature. He's God, but He's human. And that's what, in the Old Testament, these hundred times, they always refer to humans, Son of Man. It was, uh, it's used a lot in Isaiah and Ezekiel, and when God would talk to His prophets, He would say, Son of Man, take up this and do this and go here and say this. Son of Man, Son of Man, Son of Man. It's always a reference to a human And so the the, the reference to a son of man has to do with Christ emphasizing his human nature as well. He was human. He came here to be one of us. And not just God from afar, but to be one of us. To be with us and and to to give that that connection. To be that in-between. So we know some information about him. So we want to know the Son, not just know about, right? So why is He not referred to? That's what we have to ask. Why is He not referred to as a Son until He is here? Well, we have to understand that these things are metaphors. All of these names are metaphors. There are no words in in any language that can really sum up God, right? We are so limited by our language. (laughs) So God uses a series of metaphors to describe him. Then Jesus is no more a son than he is a lion. Okay? Think about it like that. He's not a lion. Big old mane and that it's a metaphor. The same thing with a son. Jesus isn't a son like we think of a son. It's a metaphor. And so each metaphor has a way it applies is this something he's trying to describe, some connection, some, some relationship that he is trying to describe for us. So he says, here's a metaphor. Think of it like, as if Jesus was a lion. All right? Think about it as if Jesus was a son. There's something to do with being a son that Jesus is like. He's not really a son like we think of it. So at some point, he has an attribute that is like a son. That attribute doesn't happen until He's here on this earth. Because He's never referred to it that way before. So we want to look at that. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 22. He says, All things have been handed over to Me by the Father, and no one, who knows, uh, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So God gives him the business. God the Father is giving Christ the business. Here here he is he's raising him up to take over the business. Where we, last week we looked at this picture, right? And the Father held the scroll. Father held the scroll and while the lion of Judah came and took the scroll. It's that same picture. It's the same picture. Jesus Christ was taking over some aspects of the business. What's the business? Well, we're going to look at that. Well, the role here is connection. He talks about this relationship between the father and the son, right? Really, no one gets this connection between the father and the son. That's, that's exclusive. We can't understand that. That's above us. We don't, we don't get that. But he says, no one knows the father except to whom the Son reveals them. So so the part of this business is is to to make this connection between mankind and the Father. That's the role. God says, this is your business. And He's the Son. And so He comes with the authority of the Father. So there's a connection. The next thing, there's a reflection. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You said so. But I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. Now, this is interesting. The high priest asks us, or asks him, what? Are you the son of God? What does Jesus answer? Does Jesus say that he's the son of God? No, he says he's who? Son of man. Why does the high priest get upset? He didn't say he's the son of God, did he? Oh, yes, he did. There really is the same reference, in a sense. There's an aspect. Jesus is quoting... Jesus is referencing the only time in the Old Testament that the Son of Man, the phrase Son of Man was used as a reference to God by way of prophecy. And so I want to look at that. Um, and we go back. This is Daniel chapter 7. There's a bunch of weird visions and here so we won't go through those. And he said, I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And He came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before Him. And to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all the people's nations and languages would serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and the kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Again, we see, um, uh, we see this concept of God giving Him something. The Father giving Him something. He is giving him a kingdom. And we have to understand the way that that Caiaphas would have looked at this event. He's asking him, are you the son of God? And he says, I'm the son of man. And Caiaphas knows the scriptures, knows he's referencing this right here. And what is this passage? See, and Caiaphas? Caiaphas is the high priest. On earth, there is no one religiously at this point in time in authority above the high priest. He's it. But Daniel references a time when there's going to be someone else on the earth. A son of man, a human being. One like the son of man. A human being is going to come and is going to be presented before the Father. Before this other God, if you will. Not another God, but, but this multi-God. And, and, and so this is a, such a huge idea to us. We don't even explain it. We feel bad we're explaining it because I'm not sure I'm explaining that right. But but this is what is going through Caiaphas's mind. There's going to be a human being who is going to be given the kingdom. There's going to be a human at some point in time that is the Messiah, that is God. That's more important than the high priest. And, and, and so, he's going to be given all this. And so, here's Caiaphas' standing in the temple. See, the temple's his, his home court. Temple's his base of power. And he kind of has that under his authority. He's a big wig. You don't like your power of being taken away. And he says, are you the son of God? He says, I'm the son of man. What you know from Daniel, is happening right now. I'm being given the kingdom. This little temple that you think is yours, not yours. I'm taking it. That infringes on his, his significance, His importance. Christ comes to be a reflection of the Father. A reflection of His power. Just like, just like we saw in the parable where Jesus is sent with the authority. Surely they will listen to Him. Nope, they did the same thing to Him. And that's this event. Jesus, by a parable, is talking about this very event that's happening. They'll listen to him. No, they won't. They'll kill him. Just like they killed the servants. Thinking that they would get the inheritance. Thinking that was the, the, that was the whole stupid thing. Yeah, if we kill him, the father will give us his inheritance. What? What kind of logic is that? You kill my son, I'm going to give you what he was. That is the worst logic on the planet. And that's what they came to this conclusion. If we kill the son, we'll get his inheritance. Doesn't work like that. If we kill. Jesus will get to keep the temple and the base of power. Doesn't work like that. So there is the election, the the or selection, if you will, the, the giving of the power. Daniel predicted this. This coming. You can't stop it. And that is the significance, the real deep significance of being called the Son of Man, the Son of God, all of this it is Christ in divine form being placed in authority so that we can have a connection to the Father. Because prior to that, none of this makes sense. There can be no father and son until there's someone who will submit to a plan to make a connection and so Christ submits to the plan Christ is sent like a son to submit to a plan to eventually bring us in connection so as we conclude I want to look at just two two ideas first of all accept challenge what I mean, you what challenge? Well, Christ came to be a picture of what the Father wants, right? Now, it can be difficult. What is Christ? Who is Christ? These, these things are such a challenge. Not kind of challenge like putting IKEA furniture together. That's difficult to understand. The hardest part of this is not really understanding it. It's submitting to it. That's really the hard part. Christ came to show us what it means to be a son. The hard part wasn't understanding the plan. Jesus knew it quite well. It was difficult to do it. And so the challenge is to leave here and to be a son. Christ came to show me what it means to live like a son. To submit. Most of it's understandable. You go through this. Most of the things that we're asked to do are pretty easy to understand. There are hard parts. I'm not sure what that means. But living like a Christian, we went through Romans chapter 12 last week in in Sunday school and the week before. It's not that hard when you read that. Do this, do this. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. It's a pretty easy list to understand. It's difficult to do. Jesus said, take the challenge. I took the challenge. There's a second part of that is becoming a child. Christ became a child. Christ was referred to as a son when? When he submitted. When he accepted an authority. Before then, he wasn't referred to as a son. He was God. God in heaven. Before then, the metaphor didn't really fit. Because he didn't have to submit. There was nothing to submit to. There was no plan in place yet. You're not a child until you submit. Until you've submitted to the Father's plan for your life, you are not a son. You're not a daughter. So as we close, I invite you to submit. If you are not a child of God, that's what Christ came To illustrate, to offer us this incredible, this incredible, undescribable opportunity to know a relationship with the Father through the Son.